Dan Perkins Media presents a unique and exciting program. Truth Starts Now, a conversation with Dan Perkins. The left has taken away your rights to freedom of speech. Truth Starts Now is a platform for you to regain your voice. America and Americans will be better off if we can have civil and respectful conversations about the day's important issues. Now, here's your host, Dan Perkins. Hello, this is Dan Perkins, and welcome to Truth Starts Now, a place where people can come and join me in conversation about the issues and important issues of the day. Joining us today is a gentleman who I learned about a few weeks ago and finally was able to get him on the show, Fred Litwin, who's written a book. I don't know whether you would call it controversial or not, Fred, but it was fascinating to me as, as a person who lived all of the events that you, you write about in your book. He's written a book about Oliver Stone and his JFK. So give him the title, show them the book, and then we'll get started. My book is Oliver Stone's Film Flam, The Demagogue of Daily Plaza. And it's uh, it's out now? Yep, it's out now. And where can we get it? You can get it on my website, uh, uh, on the trailofdelusion.com, or at Amazon, or any uh, ebook. Uh, uh, a major retailer in the United States. Super. Okay. <clears throat> uh, Fred and I were talking before we came on the show, and I said, <clears throat> I have a, a memory that I will never forget. And I was sitting uh, in in our family room watching uh, the events of the weekend after President Kennedy was shot, and I watched Jack Ruby go into the police station and shoot Lee Harvey Oswald. And at, at the beginning, I, I I didn't believe it. I thought it was a television drama. But I was yeah. literally, along with, I'm sure, millions of other Americans, watching the reality of uh, a person killing the assassin of John F. Kennedy. Uh, were you alive then? Yeah, I was, I was seven years old, uh, living in Montreal, Canada. <clears throat> so tell us why you decide to write the book, and then tell us, what we can expect in the book. I decided to write the book. Well, I first got involved in the JFK assassination in 1975 when uh, Geraldo Rivera showed the Zapruder film. And I wanted to, uh, it seemed to show that JFK was hit from the front and that set me off on a decades long quest to find out the truth. And over the years, I be became convinced that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone assassin. Now, this book particularly looks at Oliver Stone's uh, documentary series from a few years ago his documentary series JFK Destiny Betrayed is a four-part series looking at the assassination and when I first saw it I realized there's so much here that's just not true so much that could be debunked and I started debunking this on a daily basis on my blog uh, so much so that over time people said you know this would make a great book put all these blog posts rewrote them added some more and put it into a book that thoroughly debunks Oliver Stone's documentary series Fred, I have to, uh, as, as I said a few moments ago, a participant of watching all of those events during that week, including the funeral. And I'm curious, what what did you see? What did you discover that you convinced you that there was only one assassin? The first one was uh, back in 1975 when I started reading some of the doctors who had examined GFK's autopsy, x-rays, and photos. And all of them were that were definitive that the shots came from behind and not from the front. And I thought if the best forensic pathologist believed that the shots came from behind, that's good enough for me. 
Uh, the second thing that really convinced me was in the early 1990s, I got a CD-ROM of the House Select Committee on Assassinations, uh, all of their evidence, and they did every single scientific test they could on the case. Ballistics, fingerprints, photographic, forensic, uh, you name it, they did the test, and every single test they did came back in support of a lone gunman. And that was very, very convincing. How did you, did you get access to all this information? Well, it, somebody put it on a CD-ROM back in the early 90s. This was the advent of CD-ROM technology. And that was quite exciting to find, just to get one CD-ROM with all of their volumes of evidence. And wow. I was actually shocked when I saw some of the, like the tra trajectory analysis, like their trajectory analysis completely worked. It was, it was my, I had no conspiracy book, anything like this. Did your conspiracy antenna go up when you read the, all the stuff on the CD-ROM? Well, I started realizing that I had been somewhat misled by the conspiracy books and that when you actually saw, you know, looked at the real evidence, the real documentary evidence, that all the conspiracy theories sort of melted away and, and that you were left with the, the simple conclusion that Oswald killed JFK. Teaser notes that we got, I got when we got your invitation or they said on your behalf, JFK's relationship with the CIA. There were there were stories for years that he was assassinated by operatives of the CIA. Yeah, and I think this is a, quite a slander. I mean, in fact, uh, as I show in my book, uh, it, it was RFK, JFK's brother, who actually wanted Alan Dulles to be on the Warren Commission. Uh, Alan Dulles was an old family friend of Kennedy Sr., and uh, he was a good friend of both Kennedys. They both liked him quite a lot. And and so this idea that the CIA would would conspire to kill, why would they do that? Why, you know, I mean, it, if you get caught, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, if they really wanted to get rid of Kennedy, they could have easily just have, as uh, they could have leaked to the, to the press that Kennedy was having an affair with Judith Exner, Sam Giancana's girlfriend. I mean, at the time that would have been a huge scandal um, they could have gotten actually Goldwater into office rather than Johnson. As you look at it, what was one of the most blatant errors that you came across? Well, I, there's, there's so many. Where do you start? I mean, in, in, in Oliver Stone's documentary series, he makes the claim that they substituted JFK's brain, um, that in fact the photographs of the brain that were taken on right after the assassination were faked or were of somebody else's brain. And this is... <laughs> This is just not true. And, and in fact, the, the autopsy uh, photographer was quite clear that he had taken these photographs and, and the brain is, is JFK's brain. And the fact is that the brain showed no damage on the left side of the brain, indicating a shot from the front hitting him in the right side of the head. So it's stuff like that. I mean, I was also amazed that Oliver Stone was claiming that there had been prior plots against JFK in Tampa and in Chicago in November of 1963, and that's just not true. Um, I researched that quite a, quite a lot, and there's absolutely no evidence of a plot in either city. Are there papers that we still haven't seen, or you haven't seen? Well, here's the thing, and I think people are get misled about what is secret. The Assassinations Records Review Board uh, released an awful lot of material, uh, but there were still some documents that were redacted. What we have now is a situation where the only documents that have been withheld in full are IRS documents and some grand jury testimony. Those IRS documents will never be released because they are exempt from all the rules and requirements of uh, disclosure. All of the CIA documents 
um, have been released. Now, there's still some redactions, um, but by and large, everything has been released. And some redactions, I, I, I understand completely. For instance, there's 40 documents um, with redacted social insurance numbers of people who are still alive. I don't want those social insurance numbers to be uh, to be out there. That would be a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. So um, there's really nothing left out there that's going to change our view of the, the assassination. Why do you think my generation, because I'm older than you, uh, you were seven, I was in high school. W- what is the allure, the fascination, the draw of my generation to his assassination? It's, it's the problem here is that, you know, JFK, our memories of JFK are young, vibrant, energetic, bringing a new enthusiasm to the United States, uh, the space race. It was a very exciting time. And the and people want to bring meaning to his assassination. And it's very hard to accept that a man like Kennedy was killed by a, 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 a little communist sympathizer. A uh, meaningless communist sympathizer who managed to get off a couple of shots. Um, a lot of people want to give meaning. It's it would it's helpful to think, oh, he was killed because he went after the mob, or he tried to change foreign policy, and he was killed because of a cause. And unfortunately, that's just not true. Do we know? Um, is there a lot left to know about Lee Harvey Oswald and his his role, true role? I don't think so. I think we know an awful lot about Lee Harvey Oswald. There's only one unanswered question for me about Oswald, and which I wonder about is, was there anybody in Dallas right before the assassination who might have been egging him on, who might have been encouraging him to do this? Was there somebody we don't know about uh, who he met who said, yeah, go do this? I don't think there was because he was very much a loner. He didn't have many friends, but it is an unanswered question. So when we think about Mr. Kennedy, and uh, Camelot and all of those wonderful images that we had, we find much later that he wasn't as perfect as we thought he was. Whether his relationship with other women, his his addiction to pain medications because of his back injury, um, and there were there were things in his life that other people in Washington or in power didn't like about him and they 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 hate is probably too harsh a word but they didn't they didn't like him being president were they behind the motivation of getting motivated oswald to do the job i don't think so because i don't see where they would really get to oswald they didn't really know know who he was uh back then i don't don't think that's really a a viable if they really again uh, there were many ways to get rid of kennedy um i'm what i find interesting is that is that during his affair with Judith Exner, G. Edgar Hoover actually met with Kennedy to get him to stop the affair because it was so damaging. Now, if Hoover, for instance, really wanted to get rid of Kennedy, he wouldn't have warned Kennedy. He would have gone, he would have leaked it to the press. And that would have been really damaging back then. So mm-hmm. I find it interesting he didn't do that. The mob, if they, if they really wanted to get rid of Kennedy, they could have leaked that to the press. They knew about it. They didn't. So I find that very, very uh, persuasive that other people weren't really involved. If they knew about it, it would have been there within their bag of tricks to release stuff to the press. Why didn't they not? Why didn't they do it if they knew all the de- sort of details? Well, I think you know. For instance, why didn't Hoover do it? I mean, Hoover was a loyal American, and that would be way beyond uh, what he would do. Um, and it just shows what he thought about 
you know, the Kennedys or Johnson that he thought, okay, just his best, the best way was to stop the affair rather than to expose it. And I think the mob realized that if they really did play a part in doing something like that, that people could come down even harder on them. There so are repercussions. So when Hoover met with Kennedy, do we know the outcome of the meeting? Did he give up his tryst? Well, I think, yes, well, he did. He stopped, he stopped meeting uh, uh, Judith Exter. That affair stopped. Um, right, thankfully so. I mean, that was a horrible breach of, of uh, conduct to have such an affair. We've been talking in our first segment with Fred Litwin, who's got a new book on the Oliver Stone's miscues, <clears throat> if I could use the word, in his uh, do, in his uh, autobiography or documentary, whatever you want to call it. How can uh, let's have a look at the book cover again, if you would, sir, and tell people where they can buy this book. It's uh, the Oliver Stone's film Flam, the demagogue of Daily Plaza, and you could buy it on Amazon. Um, a variety of other ebook retailers and at my website, www.onthetrailofdelusion.com. And we'll be right back after these messages. Inflation for most people is causing them to use their credit cards to try and make up for income shortfalls. How big is this problem? In the second quarter of 2022, Americans added $46 billion to their credit card balances. Some of that could be you. The Federal Reserve Consumer Credit Report showed that the rate of interest on credit cards went from 14.56 to 16.65%. Those Americans struggling with credit card debt saw their delinquency rates escalate from 1.66% to 1.81%. The Cambridge Debt Consolidation Program may be able to help you reduce the interest rates by two-thirds and cut your time to pay off the debt from 30 years to as little as five years. If you're struggling and you want professional and objective help getting your credit house in order, then call 1-855-435-2066 or go to the website. Welcome back. <clears throat> this is The Truth Starts Now, and our guest is Fred Litwin, who's got a new book. He's going to show us to us the cover. It's Oliver Stone's film, Flam, The Demagogue of Daily Plaza. And it's available at Amazon or at your yep. website. Yep, on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, you name the bookseller, it's available. And your book, and also available on your website, which is? Um, www.onthetrailofdelusion.com. It has all the links to go buy it. Okay, super. So let's get back to um, some of the, the, the cliff notes that I got on, on the book. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading it too. Um, you, I'm assuming that the reason you put in the in the layout of your book, Dealey Plaza at the top is that's where it took place. That's right. Um, then the bold print in the center of the book is is something else. I understand the challenges of having written ten books, how the, coming up with a title that is intriguing to a buyer. What did the publisher think of the book? Well. Uh... I actually self-published this book, so uh, okay. I was I was delighted. But <laughs> okay, has it been? Has it? How long has it been out? It's been out over around a year, less than a year. And how's it done in terms of sales? Uh, not very well. I mean, I think it's a very very tough topic to sell because it's so focused on Oliver Stone's documentary series, and the documentary series wasn't watched by that many people. And for you know. Um, it wasn't picked up by any of the major streamers like Netflix or National Geographic. So a lot of people never saw it. So, so is that they're because even... they're, they're tired of the story? No, I think uh, basically even Oliver Stone said that it couldn't get past the fact checkers of Netflix. So that they obviously saw problems with it. Oh, 
Okay. Okay. If you look back after you've done it, it's been out a year, would you change anything? Not really. I don't think there's much to change. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the book and, and uh, I mean, the, there's more stuff to, t there's even more stuff today I could add to the book. Uh, it's, but it's, it's big enough as it is. Uh, where is the current information, new information coming from? Um, well, you know, like it's coming from just additional research into uh, a variety of places, which I put on my blog. I mean, all, all of my material is free on my blog, uh, which comes out almost every day. And I'm still, you know, I still debunk all sorts of things that are either in this film or from other conspiracy books. Um, so there's still, there's still lots to go. Are you thinking about a second book? Well, I, no, my next book will be on a, a, sip, a similar topic. My next book will be sort of a, a collection of short stories, conspiracy stories revolving around Jim Garrison, the prosecutor who uh, was the protagonist in, Jim Gar in uh, Oliver Stone's feature film, JFK. And I, I've collected a whole variety of amazingly ridiculous conspiracy stories. And I've picked around nine stories for my, for my next book. You know, speaking of that particular Jim Garrison and and the film, my oldest son was in high school when that when that movie came out. <clears throat> he asked me, "Should he go see it?" And I said, "Probably not." And he said, "Why?" He says, "Because I don't think you're old enough to begin to detect the line between fiction and fact." And I said, "My concern is." That if you go see it and you watch the movie, you're going to walk out of the movie and you're going to be asking yourself, well, what if it was true? Yeah. And he said to me, not going to happen. <clears throat> so he went to see the movie and he came home the night he saw the movie. He said, Dad, what if it was true? And I <laughs> laughed and I said, Did I, didn't I just, didn't I tell you that before you went to see the movie that you could be asking yourself because you aren't sophisticated enough to, to determine when a producer and or a writer draws the line between fiction and fact and if they're really good yep. at it you can't disseminate one or the other that's why i didn't want you to see the movie he says i still want to know if it's true and so we we can be extremely impressionable by what we see on the screen which is <clears throat> excuse me one of the things that i've written about many many times is the influence that the mainstream media and the ma mainstream press have over the news content that a vast number of Americans look to, to be the truth. And uh, I've had people, I teach this class on current events, and um, the students were saying, well, you know, Fox is dominant. And I said, no, Fox is not dominant. I said, if you add up the audiences for ABC, CBS, NBC News, PBS, MS, MSNBC, and CNN, you've got about 41% of the total viewing audience. If you add up the, the, the viewing audience for, for Fox News, it's about 4%. So that huge percentage of people get their, quote, dose of news from the terrestrial media and don't really go to the alternative media. What it says is that between the terrestrial media and Fox News and you throw in all the other places, they account for about half of the total news that's being 
watched by consumers. The rest is independent shows, like my show and other shows who are different. They're not part of the mainstream media, but we have audiences that are growing to, to, to look for alternative thought. And there, there, there are people who were interviewed after the presidential election. And when they found out after the election that about the laptop with Hunter Biden, which was never carried on all the major media, uh, 9% said they probably would have changed their mind of how they voted. So that the mainstream media is controlling the narrative and not necessarily always telling the truth. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> and and sometimes, sometimes Hollywood also, when they make films or documentaries, as you point out, don't always necessarily tell the truth. Yeah, and Oliver Stone certainly didn't. Uh, I mean, his feature film, JFK, the only true fact in that film is that, is that JFK was assassinated on November 22nd, 1963. That's the one fact, but the only fact he gets correct. And yet those people who, you said there weren't many that watched the, diamet the biography or the... Um, documentary series. Doc documentary series, but there were a lot that watched the film. A lot, yes. And a lot a of lot. people, or like my son, who came away with doubts about yeah. what they had heard. Because it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant piece of filmmaking. I mean, the cinematography, the music, everything about it, the the actors and actresses. I mean, it's a brilliant piece of filmmaking. It just there's nothing in it that's true. And then it's the same thing with the documentary series. It's extremely well made. It, the cinematography again is terrific, um, but it's it's not true. But we knew that the film was not true, but yet it drew big audiences. But you said the documentary, you just complimented on its production value. Yep. Didn't draw much of an audience at all. No, and that's because the major streamer, well, the, you know, the whole movie industry has changed. So fewer people are going to the theaters. And of course, we had COVID. But uh, the, the fact is that the if, if Netflix and the major streamers don't take your movie, well, it's not going to be watched by a lot of people. And that's what happened here. It's true. Uh, we now we have uh, uh, a writer's strike. I, I'm not sure whether it's over or not. It's, it's, it's over. The white writer strike is over. Okay. And, still an uh, actor strike. Pardon me. There's still an actor strike. Okay. The writers. The writers are are, are back in the fold. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it seems to me that that when you look at the changes in Hollywood, the pandemic was both good and bad for the film industry bad because they weren't shooting stuff on on lots and people weren't going out of their homes to see movies the good was they were staying home and watching them on netflix and amazon and everybody else and all these streaming services came out but what we find ourselves today is a shortage of content real content i've seen some of this towards the end of the pandemic i saw some of the stuff that came out on netflix and on on amazon prime it was atrocious would be a compliment i mean it was just the worst i'd ever seen and but they 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 had time they had to fill now they they're and then the writer strike uh, impacted them again so publishing is also being affected it's getting it had gotten very expensive to buy paper to publish a book ebooks i don't know are is this book available in ebook oh yes yes and most of my sales are ebooks Okay. And uh, have you thought about audiobook? I, have, I, I haven't thought about it. I think um, uh, perhaps the Oliver Stone book would be tough on audiobook because it's so much um, uh, 
document based and 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 I think it would be a bit hard in audio, but but some of my other books perhaps. So you said you're working on a new book. That's right. Yes, and and that's going to come out probably another year or so to to to, to feel, and it's going to be a lot of fun because it's going to be eight really really funny conspiracy stories or nine nine conspiracy stories uh, from the Jim Garrison investigation. And why did you pick that as your next book? Because I, you know, d during the pandemic, um, you know, I had a lot of time at home to do my blog and I found myself doing very, very long blog posts about a variety of different, really interesting stories. And now I look back and I say, wow, you know, I've got the raw material here for some great fun chapters uh, that would make a, a book. And I think there's, I have stories that need to be told um, and that people need to, uh, stories that are in the conspiracy books but people need to know the truth well the truth starts here and we've enjoyed having you on we've been talking to fred litwin who has a new book which he's going to show us one more time and that's oliver stone's plan yep the demagogue of daily plaza thank you so much uh, fred for joining us today and, well, thank you very uh, much and we'll look forward to seeing you soon take care okay well take care and we'll be right back thank you for joining us today and we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com. That's bwradionetwork.com. And give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.